Want to hone your craft as a digital marketer and get expert insights from thought leaders and industry experts? Welcome to the How I Work podcast. I'm your host, Josh Becerra, founder and president of Agurian. Follow us on Twitter at Agurian Tweets or subscribe to our YouTube channel for more great content. Now, here's the episode of the podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Becerra from Agurian. This is episode 12 of How I Work. I'm here with Kara Connes, VP of Growth at GovDocs. How you doing, Kara? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for being here. I'm uh, super excited. You have a kind of a unique story, atypical career path, ranging from startups to large corporations. So it would be great if you could just give us a little bit of Tell the viewers about that journey and how you got to GovDocs. Sounds great. I started out in marketing probably, what, 15 years ago already with a, a mid-sized computer hardware reseller organization. So stayed there for a, about four or five years. And mm-hmm. then I got introduced to somebody who was starting up a, well, a, start, a local startup doing recruitment marketing technology. So software as a service. So I was the 11th employee there. And it was wild ride, right? It's back in the early days of email marketing and SEO and the demand gen, the guerrilla marketing. And because I was with a startup, it was do as much as you can with not much. So it was, uh, I was there for five years. We, like I said, I was the 11th employee, grew to, we were about 140 employees. And when we sold to success success factors. So big, large organization out in San Mateo, right? Which ironically got acquired by SAP the next day. So all of a sudden we were SAP success factor employees, uh, big organization. And I'll be honest, I stayed with them for about six months and I was craving to go back to the roots of, I got the taste of working for a startup organization. And so I decided to go back to that found an org company in Plymouth that was an email service provider organization, data as a service as well, and yep. for publishers and media companies. So went back to that, helped uh, grow that company for four or five years. And then my current CEO of GovDocs found me on LinkedIn and said, hey, what do you think about coming over here? And the rest is history. I will have been at GovDocs for five years in August already. Awesome. Yeah, I think corporate, the corporate world isn't for everybody. There's people who love it. I'm a little bit more slanted towards startup and that kind of fast paced, fly by the seat of your pants kind of organization. Yep. I love the high growth. And so that's where I gravitate towards and I'm loving every minute of it. That's very cool. So one of the things that I thought was curious when we were talking about doing this interview is you have created client advisory boards, like just about at every organization along the way. And I think that's a topic that I don't think I've ever touched on in any of these Hmm. interviews before. And so I would love for you to just talk a little bit about why are you so committed to client advisory boards? What are you getting? What benefits do you see that you're getting from them? Yeah. And I'll start with, you're right. So this is my third organization where I've been able to participate. I get introduced 15 years ago to my, to the first time we put together a client advisory board and I've carried it throughout the next couple of organizations. So yeah, I'm at, I think 20, probably almost 25 client advisory boards that I've been able to participate and help manage and run. 
They're absolutely phenomenal. Just for those of you that maybe haven't ever done a client advisory board, it's really just bringing together of your existing clients and you're asking them to provide insights and guidance into your organization. So it's that, and I, I say this to them, I, when I open up the client advisory board and we're all sitting in a room, I ask them, please put all of your, put your board of directors head on. So you have to be objective in some ways we code, Hey, we want you to be a little bit objective, but you're a board of directors. That's your purpose. That's your objective of being here. There's so many benefits that, and it's also, I'll say benefits on both sides of the house, right? So Mm -hmm. not just for us, but for the clients themselves. So we get market validation for new enhancements and expansions. And they, of course, it's hard They'll, They'll like, they have insight and guidance into sometimes what they want, but also what they yeah. know is good for the organization. Let's talk about pricing. <laughs> we get real world feedback on yeah. how our product is being used. It's not just us sitting back and going, oh, we think this is how they're using it or this is how they should be using it. Like we get real world feedback from yeah. these people on how they're using our products and what they need more of from us. Another thing I think that is super valuable. We get insights into competitive offerings. So there's a portion of that, that we, again, nobody's perfect. Nobody has the marketplace completely locked up. So it's don't be oblivious to the competitive space out there that you're up against. And I think that we get that as well. We bring together individuals that have a lot of expertise. So we get to hear from them again. It's that one-on-one pre-COVID we're all having to adjust, but I'd like to bring everybody together. These were in-person two-day events where we're all sitting in a room and yeah. having conversations and dialogues and challenges. Challenging so is that happening like on an what, annual basis or like t- a couple times a year? And then just talk yeah. a little bit about the, like how you, how somebody would even get started. Yeah. I'm sure you've probably figured out like who to pick and who not to pick, yeah. right? Like yeah. you've gotten people on your advisory board. You're like, oh my gosh never doing that again. Well, (laughs) I don't know if I have that down to a craft yet. It's not, yeah, we do it twice a year. We've found that's a really good, you want to get people together enough so that they get comfortable with you as well as each other and are in a room where they can have that open dialogue with you. So typically we do a spring and a fall. So there's enough time apart, but not too much time where we can bring back stuff and we can bring back updates since our last client advisory board and Mm-hmm. And so twice a year has seemed to work really well. And again, in person at sometimes if there's important announcements or we're developing something and it's not in that time frame, we'll call and say, Hey, sure. are all of you guys willing to jump on the phone for half hour, hour? So we've also had intermediate between those times as well. Size wise, I like to send out invitations to 15 people so that we land at about 10 to 12 people in yeah. person. Cause I truly want to create that atmosphere where it's, it's not too big. It's not too small diversification in attendees. I think it's important. Um, I found to bring together people from different industries, mm-hmm. different company sizes, different titles. Although I will say what's worked most successful is to get your decision makers and your hired. It's not typically the day-to-day people for that sure. you're bringing in. So that's worked really well for us. Yeah, it's just, it's been fantastic. Just like I said, it's super important though to also don't lean always towards inviting the customers that love you, that they only have good things to say. Yeah, I I make it definitely when we are planning on 
sending out the invites, who should we have? You want to invite those challenging customers because those are the customers that are going to make you better. Yeah, yeah you so don't I think to definitely. Be chamber for sure. Yeah. So keep that in mind, I think, when putting together and assembling your list. And, yeah. and we put together a charter. We take it very seriously and we want our advisory board members to take it seriously as well and know that we are asking for a commitment from them and expect things out of them, but they should expect stuff out of us as well. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's a win-win. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So another thing that we, we talked about that I think is unique around your story is that you've had the opportunity to manage like marketing, sales, client services, and product, and you've actually done that all at once. So I think that's uncommon. So can you talk, and I think GovDocs, I think you actually are doing that intentionally. And so can you talk a little bit about having one person overseeing everything, how that's benefiting your you as an yep. organization, and then how you're like managing those multiple relationships? <laughs> First of all, I have to say, I have the best role ever because truly like I couldn't ask for a better position. And mm-hmm. in, in the ability to do just what you said, to oversee yep. so many li- different lines of business. Having that front row to the customer life cycle, I think absolutely benefits in us in the ability to have, to ensure that the GovDocs message, and this applies to like any organization, right? Mm-hmm. It's the ability to carry that, like your message across the customer life cycle. It ensures that it stays consistent. I yep. want the touch points and the experience that the customer is having to be similar, like I said, consistent, whether it's the first time that they see our logo to the first time they visit our website to that front first conversation with our inside sales rep, right? To the implementation and onboarding to once that they become a customer and our customer communication. So I think it, it just, it's a huge value that there's no surprises. We're able, we've been able to create a consistent experience across all touch points yeah. and, and all really come together and share in that success internally as well. Yeah. And it seems like then you don't have competition happening between these silos, right? Correct. Ironically, I, two days ago, I was interviewing somebody and I was explaining to him my role. And that's literally what he said. Ironically, Josh, he said, so Gal, that he goes, I get it. He goes, so there's no like competition between the VP of sales and the VP of marketing. I'm like, no, I'm like, we're all in it to win it together. It's just, we're better together. And he's, that makes sense. And I'm like, and I can really say that doesn't exist here. Yeah, that's cool. So we've created a ton of content around like the, the difficulties sometimes that exist between sales and marketing. And so I think you guys are solving it in a really unique way. Do you have any advice for someone? Most people watching this are on the marketing side. So like, how do you navigate and manage sales or what are the things that you think marketers should really have in mind about like the, the goals and roles of sales and how we can support them, but also get what we need back. What do you have to say about some of that? Yeah, I think it's now, and again, and not to be cliche, but you have to have openness. You have to have willingness to learn. I think like right away to set the tone is like, we're in a partnership together. And it's equal partnership. Everybody gets their opportunities to, to challenge each other, to say, I think we could do something differently. And I think it's, you, you just got to set the tone. The lead, this is where leadership needs to set that tone and, yeah. and say, hey, here's how we're going to work together. And here's why. 
explain why it's always super important and demonstrate the benefits of bringing these teams together and starting it off right away. And then for me, that's the way I've always done it. So nobody knows any different, like they should expect it, be openness, transparent. We have healthy, radical candor and and, and we, that's something we do and we live by internally. And I think it's, everybody understands it and gets it maybe not right away, but after they see that the strength and the relationship, and then most importantly, the results that come from this, it's, it's become a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that a lot of times it's leadership that kind of ends up pitting sales and marketing against one another, kind of saying, wait, she's telling me this and you're telling me this. And so who's right here? And I, I think that's a flawed approach for sure. It is. And again, not to, sh- to share another example of, like I said, this literally a couple of days ago in this, in this interview, I was telling this person that we don't, or he asked me about lead sources and our, our sales. Is it always that, oh, sales always got every deal. And it was because of them. And I'm like, no, I said, we have a, again, a great relationship with sales. They understand and know that if all of the opportunities being created and the new deals coming in the door, if marketing has nothing to do with them, then I don't know how to help them. Like it's in their best interest to say the demos are working or the webinars are working or that white paper you sent out. I said, because then we're able to create more light content. So it's also, so again, it goes back to explaining the why it all starts with the why. Yeah, for sure. Sales and marketing is always about new logos. Let's get more of those. But one of the things that came up when we were prepping for this, I actually wrote it down. It's a quote from you. You said, give equal treatment and don't forget about our customers. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I've seen so many organizations, right? That they give it all to acquire that new customer. They shower them with information, the sharing of best practices, coming up with ways to solve all their business problems. But then as soon as they turn from the prospect into the customer, there isn't a strong program oftentimes set up to continue to share and to, you know, nurture and give them what you were previously giving them to get them in the door. So I think it all goes around of like being super intentional. That's the word of the year here at GovDocs is intentional Mm -hmm. and being intentional in the communications and the programs that you're setting up for your clients and not forgetting about them. If you're going to do a great webinar, invite your clients. If you create this great new white paper that's intended for lead generation, share it with your clients. Take our role very internally. We take it very seriously to keep nurturing a client as you would a prospect to get them in the door. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really smart. It's so much more cost effective to right. maintain and yeah. that get incremental upsell from existing clients versus yep. net new logos. Yeah. Yep. And I think we have a philosophy of earn their business every day. Yeah. Love yeah. That. I love that. The last thing, last topic we'll cover today is like when we were talking, it was, it was really curious to me how you love sharing GovDocs compliance expertise, obviously with existing clients, with prospects, and all of that content, email, webinars, the roundtables, the blogs, all of that that you do, it seems like there isn't a ton of like self-promotion embedded in there. And so I also want to just touch on that and kind of your philosophy around thought leadership for driving business results versus infusing self-promotion in everything. Yeah. That you- 
Yeah, I think what's worked well for me in my career and for the companies that I've worked with is that sharing of information and approaching it from a thought leadership perspective, right? Like you said, stay stay away from the self-promotion. This is all about how can we help people do their jobs better? What information can we give them that, again, might they might be able to weave into their day-to-day job and roles and responsibilities that makes life easier or produces greater results? Mm-hmm. So it's that idea of just generating content that makes people better or simplifies their job. And we do it through, like you said, a lot of different channels and a lot of different kind of demand generation programs. So it could be from 45 minute webinars to tip sheets. It could be from a heavy white paper, but I think regardless, we always, when the team is putting together and deciding what to do, it's what's in it for them, what's in it for our clients or our prospects, what's in it for the, the person who's going to consume this piece of information. Yeah. And I just, I think if we continue to demonstrate our expertise, the business will come. Yeah, I think that's great. So in an effort to yeah. make this piece of content, which already is full of thought leadership and amazing little nuggets for <laughs> marketers to pick up on. Can you give us what is that tactic or strategy today that you're not, that isn't, doesn't have self-promotion infused into it. That's really working for GovDocs. Yeah. If you had to pick one mm-hmm. that other Ooh. marketers can try, well, two, whatever, okay. you know, tell, <laughs> us, tell us what, what you're seeing that's working for you today that, yeah. that uh, others should try. Yeah. I think webinars. Now, again, mm-hmm. I say webinars, there's a ton of webinars out there, right? I would ask, so a couple things, they're working, they're producing results for us. They're great. We have 500 plus registrants on our webinars and this is, we're not paying anybody to promote it. We're just doing it internally with good old fashioned email marketing automation. We, our presenters are from GovDocs. Like I said, we're not hiring anybody to be Mm -hmm. a speaker. And so those are working well for us. But again, we approach each one's very thoughtfully. We put a lot of effort and work into trying to define what the topic is. And again, we almost start with, okay, why is this topic important? What difference will it make if I present on this topic? And what are the five, we almost, I always say, sometimes it's important to start with the end of the webinar and that last slide of the five takeaways and how this is gonna help you and what you need to know. And so we put a lot of time and effort into deciding what the topic is going to be and work really hard on doing that. And I think people, I think our results show it because people keep showing up and, and we continue, we've been doing that program for, I think this is our fourth solid year of doing a quarterly thought leadership webinar and our results aren't diminishing. So I think that says something for the work that we put into it. That's awesome. This has been a great how I work. I really want to thank you, Kara. You've provided thought leadership on advisory boards (laughs) and bringing a different structure to organizations, putting marketing and sales and client service and product all under one kind of uh, leader. I think that's amazing. Focusing on your existing customers, not just new logos. And then just some of these Uh, tips and ideas about tactics and strategies that don't necessarily have to be filled with self-promotion. This has been great. I really appreciate it. We could probably go on talking for hours, but we're going to say goodbye for now for this episode of How I Work. Thanks so much. Thanks, Josh. Take care. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to the How I Work podcast with Josh Becerra. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe. To learn more about Agurian and for more digital marketing tips and insights, head to agurian.com.